Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the U.S. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Liam, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday evening? All good, thanks Rich. Went away over the weekend uh, with my girlfriend just down to London, a bit of time away. Um but yeah, it was really good. And then came back and had my second dose of the vaccine today. So my arm's feeling a bit numb, but that's about it. So I hope it stays like that. How are you feeling, Rich? I'm, I'm very good. Uh, yeah, I had my second jab last week. So uh, so yeah, I haven't, haven't grown wings yet. A little bit disappointed. No superpowers. Um, but yeah, all, all going well. So just just to bring you listeners behind the curtain a little bit, we're, we're recording this a week ahead of time. So it is the 17th of August. So if any crazy news breaks in the next week, that would be why we're not talking about it. Um, Liam, before we dive into the pod, I see you are sipping on something. So for those of you who don't know, Liam Liam brings some sort of crazy concoction every week to have a little drink on whilst whilst we're uh, doing the pod. So so Liam, share the listeners. What's today's cocktail of choice? So today's cocktail, I've got a normal lime daiquiri. So... Um, it's based on rum, so it's about 50 ml of rum, um, a bit of lime juice and a bit of simple syrup, which is sugar syrup. Uh, shake it in, whatever you can shake it in, make sure it doesn't go everywhere. It tastes amazing. One of my favourite cocktails to make. 
that's far more exciting than my pint of water that I'm currently drinking. <laughs> um, but before we, we dive into the pods, uh, very exciting news, listeners. We have a new sponsor. I'll be honest, this is something that before, you know, the last 15 years of my life, I've, I've never really paid much attention to it. But um, they, they sent us a product and uh, I thought I'd try it out. And I'll be honest, I'm absolutely blown away. It is, it is fantastic. It is incredible. Um, and this is Manscaped. So essentially, Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Uh, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They've just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, which is the Lawnmower 4.0. It is now available all across Europe. Uh, there is over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Uh, we have a very exclusive offer for you. Uh, so you can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping using the code 5YARD. So that is the number 5YARD at manscaped.com. Uh, as I said, it, it's one of these things that I think is, is a bit taboo. We don't talk about it, but it is vitally important. I'm in- incredibly happy that, that they sent me <laughs> a, a, a trimmer. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly going to be using it uh, regularly. So diving into the, the podcast, Liam, we have been uh, over the last week doing our, our Five Yard Dynasty Listener League. H- have you found it? It's been really good. Um, so we haven't really publicised the format. So just to give the listeners that aren't in the league a bit of a breakdown, what it is, is we were trying to find a way to have a dynasty league with a regular turnover so we can get some more listeners in each year. And I posed a question to Rich and Rich had been already thinking about a similar format for the past year or so. So we kind of blended the two together. So what it is, is the top six teams from the year will go through to a playoffs as normal, play for the championship. The bottom six teams, the owners are then removed. Then Sounds brutal when you say it like that. What, what would you like me to say? Fired, like I said on I, my message? I liked, I liked relegated, but we'll, relegated. We'll, go, we'll, we'll go with removed. That's fine. Relegated if you want, Rich. Soften the blow a little bit. Yeah. But then, so those owners are relegated and a dispersal draft takes place with the new six owners. Any of the um, assets, so any draft pick, any players can be picked in there and you can also steal players from the six playoff teams from last year those teams get to protect a couple of players on their team but the aim is all the teams are kind of shaken up by the end of it and I think our draft's going really well to be honest me and Rich are both um, sharing a team we're co-owning and Although I've not been around for the past four days because I've been in London, um, Richard kind of taken over. We went through, I think it was nine or ten rounds of the first day. Everyone was really excited. So I think that our team's one of the best, but of course I'm going to say that I'm a little bit biased. <laughs> I'd be a bit concerned if you didn't think it was. Yeah, it, 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 to be honest, we've been incredibly lucky. It's a fantastic group of people. As you said, we we absolutely blitzed through the first, I think, nine or ten rounds. It's, it's slowed down a little since then. Um, but yeah, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I'm very happy with our team. I think we'll, we'll be even happier if if the Sean Watson somehow plays this year. Um, but yeah, I think we've, we've gotten probably a little bit more win now than I traditionally go. But I think with the 
you know the relegation the removal format i think it's it's kind of neat so today we're, we're gonna go through a few different things so we're going to bring in our our format of the month um so today we're going we're to talk about superflex tight end premium leagues um we're also gonna give you some in-season lessons to remember i think as we're getting close to the the start of the season i think for me there's there's a few i guess hints and tips that that we wanted to give you that, that you can really gain some value in those first couple of weeks of, of the season but also the last couple of weeks before before kickoff and then we've also got our listener question of the week um so diving straight into the format of the month then liam superflex tight end premium i think you know this this has largely been led by scott fish obviously changing the scott fish bowl format to this a couple of years ago where do you stand on like let's let's go super flex first of all are you are you a one two one qb you know a traditional fan or, or do you like the more the more modern should we say super flex format i personally play in both type of leagues one qb and super flex i like the value that super flex brings into um into your league so for those that don't know a super flex league is you you have one quarterback as usual but you have a super flex spot where you can flex a wide receiver a tight end a running back or a quarterback and if you're not flexing a quarterback in that spot you're probably not going to contend this year so i think i i love the value that it brings to quarterbacks i also think that quarterbacks tend to be overvalued especially young quarterbacks i know we've spoken about that rich already (laughs) um on a couple of pods but i definitely think rookie quarterbacks get overvalued quite a bit because you've got that that added value to a a quarterback i think for me i i'm in one one qb dynasty uh, no that's a lie i'm in two one qb dynasty leagues any any league that i've joined in the last two years has been super flex i don't understand why you would be playing in anything other than super flex unless it's you know some weird scoring format or, or it's a you know I've, I've got my home league that i think will be the same format for the rest for the next 20 years because no one wants to change it but I just think a super flex, you know, it, it brings value to the quarterback position. A one QB, you're basically writing off one position. I, I like bringing as much kind of parity across the positions as possible. And I think super flex does that. I do agree with you that I think super flex slightly overvalues quarterbacks. I think personally, I quite like it when it's, you know, four point touchdowns, m- minus two for t- inception. It, it does a little bit towards leveling up the scoring. Um, but for me, I, I think Superflex is here to say. I know I know Sleeper announced that 80% of new startups this offseason have been Superflex. I wouldn't be shocked if you know that's getting even higher next year. I think Superflex is is the format to stay. What about now? I, I, I feel well, I fear that I'm gonna trigger you here, but but Titan <laughs> Premium. Where where do you sit on Titan Premium then? To keep it short, I'm not a fan of tight end premium. So I would much be, I'd much rather be on the train of adding a second tight end spot than adding a premium to tight ends. I think that it just creates more of a gap between the top few and the rest of the population in tight end. I've spoken about this before that the gap between tight end two last year and tight end three 
is the same gap as tight end three all the way down to the 33. It there's just a wasteland after the elite ones when they play. And I think tight end premium just expands that gap where when I've looked at the data over the past three years, it does just expand the top population from everyone else. There's not the more you add PPR, the the less relevant the rest of the tight ends become. And I understand the fact that tight end premium isn't necessarily about within the tight end position. It's about making them more relevant within flex positions because let's face it if you have a flex position that's white end and um, wide receiver tight end running back you aren't putting a tight end in there unless you have absolutely no one and you're expecting a touchdown from that tight end so i get it but i don't agree with it i think there's better ways around it i just haven't found those better ways yet i haven't done the digging i know you're a fan of tight end premium rich i i really like tight end premium and i think that I, I completely agree with you. Titan premium increases the disparity between, you know, your, your Kelsey's, your, your Kittles, your Wallers, and the tight end 10 to 12. It, it makes those elite tight ends even more elite. But I, I don't mind that. I think that, you know, we value running backs, wide receivers in a super flex quarterback so highly that anything that to me means that the elite tight ends can can be considered in the same tier, you know, in that potential first, second round of a startup, I think is fantastic. Where I I don't like tight end premium is that I think that some people take it too far. I like the 0.5. I think anything more than the 0.5 tight end premium. So what I'm saying there is traditional one PPR and then a 0.5 is every tight end gets 1.5 points per reception. I love that. I think when you, once you're getting towards sort of two points per reception, it, it's kind of getting ridiculous. And I think that, you know, Kelsey just becomes a complete cheat code. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. I, I completely get what you're saying. I think that if you want to level the playing field at tight ends completely, what you do is you add a second tight end spot. And... I don't know if you've played in one, Liam. I'm in two. I'm in two double tight end leagues, and they're horrific. It it basically just means that tight ends become so valuable that nobody trades them. Um, luckily, in one of those leagues, I've got Kelsey and Waller, and I'm I'm laughing and I'm I'm very happy. But in the other, I've got um, I've got Hunter Henry, and then I've got David Njoku, Ian Thomas, OJ Howard. Like it's an absolute horror show. But no matter what I'm willing to pay, I can't get anyone to part with the tight end because people know how valuable they are. So, yeah, so I, I, I get what you're saying, that it completely levels the playing field, but it's, it's horrible. Any, any league where I'm being forced to start David Njoku is, is not fun. Now, so, yeah. I, I agree with you. You shouldn't be forced to play bad players. Now, it, no one wants to put a bad player into their line. That's the whole point of playing fantasy, to play your best players, not put your worst players in my issue becomes around how do you make that tight end position viable because they aren't going to get as many catches as people want because they have a second job they're essentially another linesman on the field half of the game so how do you incorporate half a wide receiver into something when people want them to be a full wide receiver and looking at the data i've got in front of me tight end premium data 
that you sent me, Rich, actually, I've just extrapolated the standard and the PPR across. Um, and the tight end one over the past three years, on average, scored about 340 points. That is only behind the wide receiver one when just combining the tight end and the wide receiver positions. That's perfect. That's fine. I agree with what you're doing there. But then when you look at the tight end 12, so you, you're keeping within that tight end one range, the tight end 12 is just behind the wide receiver 38. You were telling me you can get 38 wide receivers that will score more points than 12, the top 12 tight ends. It, it just doesn't make sense to me that that's the option. But to me, I view it as I like three wide receiver starts in my lineups. So if I've got 36 wide receivers starting and 12 tight ends starting, and you're saying that they're level scoring, to me, that's perfect. That's You've just explained to me why that's perfect. If I think I get you're saying that there's massive disparity between the tight end one and tight end 12, but we also see that at the running back position. You know, what was it two two years ago where Christian McCaffrey scored his ridiculous number of points? He scored like 150 points more than the RB12, I think. So does that mean that we we should adjust the running back position accordingly to try and, you know, level out the playing field? I think that I think adding the tight end premium allows more value. It makes those tight ends slightly more flex-worthy, but it doesn't really alter the positional value. And I think it's a good thing. And for me, I'm massively in favour, but I feel like we could sit here and talk about it all day, Liam, because I know that you've, you know, you've, you've planted your flag. It is a hill you are going to die in. You, you will never like Titan Premium, although I'm very pleased to announce that the uh, the five-yard dynasty Lister League is Titan Premium <laughs> because uh, I bullied Liam into it, basically. The, the one thing I will say on Titan Premium is I like what it's trying to do. I just don't think people have understood what it or how it actually affects leagues. I don't mind the total discrepancy between tight end 12 and wide receiver 38. I don't think that's horrendous. I think it could be better, but it's not horrendous. My issue comes in, where are you drafting that tight end 12? Because I can guarantee you in tight end premium leagues, that tight end 12 does not go anywhere near the wide receiver 38. They will be going much higher than that. That's where my issue becomes, because the position becomes so much more valuable than what it actually is. I agree. And I think that for me, tight end premium means I'm even more tight end early or tight end not at all in that I think those top three or four guys become so elite and then the rest are are nothing. So I think that's um, where I've come as well. I've come around, <laughs> I've come around to that. Well, good, good to hear because, uh, yeah, we, we went tight in very late in our listening league. So, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's all good. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk through some kind of lessons that, I'm calling them lessons, but they're more kind of hints and tips. So I think that these are things that that you can take into your early early weeks of the season and kind of keep in the forefront of your mind. Because I think every year as we get into the season in Dynasty Leagues, they become kind of more redraft and everybody sort of plays Dynasty through the offseason. And then as soon as you get into the league, all kind of long-term value goes out the window. And people just worry about trying to win that year. So um, so my first, I guess, hint is selling off ageing players early. Now, I think that what a lot of people will look at and think, well, surely you want to wait as long as possible 
sell them to, you know, the, the competing teams who are going sort of win now. But I think for me, we see it every year, particularly at the running back position, where somebody comes in, uh, you know, a say Todd Gurley last year, he was very productive. Yes, it was incredibly touchdown reliant, but he was very productive early in the season. As the season goes on, we start to see the rookies start to integrate more. We start to see, you know, uh, teams that perhaps aren't competing start to push some of those veterans to the side and their value plummets. And I think that if, if a veteran player has a great start to the season, that is your opportunity to sell because people take this redraft mindset and you've got, you know, an Adam Thielen or even someone like a Mike Davis who could easily have great weeks, you know, one, two, three, four. That's when you need to cash in. Don't think they're going to help me for the rest of this year. Cash in, whether it's buying, you know, buying back years, going for a younger player or, you know, trading for a pick. I think, that can then be used to buy a, a you know a better asset. I think is is a, certainly a way that that I'd want to go. What do you think, Liam? Do you think selling those aging players early is is a way that that you'd like to go? Yeah, definitely. I think Todd Gurley is a great example. Like I was in a league that is one of your, um, I suppose, for, forbidden, never shall be named one quarterback leagues. <laughs> um, and I had Todd Gurley. I got quite a young, t- young team there. And Todd Gurley was pushing me towards the playoffs with Monty. Um, and I did get in, but I don't think I didn't do very well once I got in. Um, and looking back, I probably should have sold. I was looking at my team saying I probably could win that league. But then I think I had an unlucky matchup and got knocked out. But I think I'd, my roster would be a lot more or a lot better if I had sold him earlier on in the season and maybe not done as well last season and I would have been more set up to win now this season. I think it's it doesn't just have to be the big names, okay? A lot of, you know, fringe players. So let's say someone like a Jameson Crowder who at the moment... I think he's going sort of wide receiver 70-ish range at the moment in ADP. You can guarantee that in the first few weeks, he's probably going to have a few fancy relevant weeks. You can probably sell him for a second, maybe a third. That's not a price you can get right now. But in that redraft mentality, you can get that. And then come the end of the season, he's going to be worthless. And that's the time that you can start to do that, which, which brings us on to the next point. Um, and that's don't spend your draft capital too early. Okay. Now, what I mean by this is if you are a contender, and I always talk about the earlier you can decide if you're a contender or a rebuilder, the better in, in kind of in season in dynasty. But if you are a contender, what you don't want to do is go out and buy players that will help you win too early because if you go and spend that first second round pick to buy a you know a, a receiver or a running back that you think will tip you over the top and then get two injuries suddenly that that first that you think is going to be a you know a late first could end up being an early first okay also 
the earlier in the season you spend that draft capital, the more people you're bidding with for those players. Because say in, in week one, in week two, in week three, in a 12-team league, there's probably 10 or 11 teams that think they're a contender. Come week 10, week 11, week 12, there's probably three or four. So you, you're suddenly bidding against a third of, of the number of people. The prices for those players that are trying to sell drop significantly. And I just think that as a contender, if you're a true contender, one player could probably tip you over the top to, to win a title, but it shouldn't tip you over the top to make the playoffs. And I think that a common mistake is, oh, I'm, I'm kind of average. I'm an average team here. If I go and spend my first, I, could, I can make the playoffs and I can contend. But I think that that's kind of a loser's mentality of you want that final piece to be pushing you towards a title, not pushing towards the playoffs. Do you, are you a believer in spending that early capital, Liam? Or No, I'm with you completely. And I think that segues very nicely onto what we're going to talk about next. But before we do that, I do think spending draft capital really early is one way to ensure you are going to be successful in dynasty leagues in future years. Um, I think you've really got to, I think you've really got to know where your team is going to be before you do that. And as you said, it really depends on when you determine what you're going to do with your team. You've got to really look towards trading for players that are either doing well in the or who you think is going to do better during the season so say someone starts out slow and then gets better you're looking for buying them just as they start out slow i'm not saying every person or every player that starts out slow is going to get better that's where you've got to make your own judgment call you've got to have your own takes maybe listen to Rich, myself, whoever else you listen to on who we think could do really well over the next couple of weeks or to the end of the season and buy those when they're not producing and when teams are maybe already trying to sell. I think that also brings us on to the next point of don't or be the first to rebuild or commit to a rebuild because I think with some people, they wait until, say, week eight onwards, just before the trade deadline, and then go, oh, I'm not going to make the playoffs. I'm just going to throw it into a rebuild now. But then if you have already started your rebuild, those people that are pushing for the playoffs most likely have already sent their first round picks away for the, the coming draft. So you really need to make that decision early to be that first person with all your players on the block and try and entice someone into getting or sending their first or multiple picks or young players for those veterans that are going to increase or increase production, but may not increase in value over the coming season. I think that it's it's a great point. I think that it's it's a real fine tightrope to try and walk in that in dynasty in season, you either want to be a contender or a rebuild. And you don't want to be stuck in that middle ground. And I've talked about not being too quick to commit, go all in to contend. But I do think if you're not going to be a contender, then rebuilding, and it doesn't necessarily have to be rebuilding of selling off every piece. It can just be selling off the one or two assets that 
aren't going to be helpful in, in a year's time, the earlier you can make that decision, the better. Because I think that by, you know, the flip side of what I said earlier of if you're the first to commit and say, right, I'm rebuilding, here's my three aging players who wants them. If you're the first person in a 12-team league to do that, you've probably got 11 teams who are bidding for that player. The price, you know, the, the more bidders you have, the, the price goes up. And I think that's probably the, the biggest mistake I often see is that people that sit there and sort of, oh, I'm, I'm not really sure what I'm doing this year. And then they end up finishing, you know, seventh, just missed the playoffs. They get the 105. It's not really a good enough asset to to push them into a true contender. And they just carry on in that kind of cycle of mediocrity. Um, I'm all for trying to win every season, every year you are in. But I do think there comes a point where if you can hold your hands up and say, right, I'm not going to contend this year. I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to retool to win next year. And not sell off every piece, but just sell off a couple of pieces. I think it can really put you in a fantastic spot to, to go you know, all in and, and win that title in the second year, which let's be honest is what we're all here to do. And then the final piece of advice ties into that quite nicely is, is buy the rookie dip early. And what I mean by this is that at this point in the year, everybody is super obsessed with these rookies. We, they are super high priced and, you know, everybody expects every single rookie coming in to be a future Hall of Famer. Now, I think this differs slightly in your more kind of hardcore leagues to your more perhaps home league style dynasty leagues. I think in your more hardcore leagues, I think people are more patient. They will value those rookies. They've gone through, you know, a, a, a thorough evaluation process and know that those rookies will, will take a little bit of time. Whereas I think in your home leagues where perhaps people aren't as savvy, you can gain fantastic value by that that sort of second and third tier player, whether that be a, you know, a Rashad Bateman who's currently injured and Elijah Moore who's currently injured, whether that be a, um, you know, someone like a Trey Sermon or Michael Carter, they're probably not going to come out and be studs week one to five. Okay. So the person that doesn't know and doesn't think about that is probably going to be a bit fed up and like, oh, I need a running back that I can plug in now. So you can probably buy Trey Sermon in two months' time cheaper than you can buy him now. Yet we can sit here and say it is highly unlikely that Trey Sermon is going to be the stud in the first couple of weeks, and he's not going to be the lead bell cow. Rashad Bateman's probably going to be injured. He's he's not going to get that, that workload. And I think that we see it every year. You saw it last year with Josh Jefferson. You know, In a couple of redraft leagues I was in, he, he got dropped. He then went on to, to win people leagues. You saw it with someone like Chase Claypool. I saw him going for like third and fourth round picks after a couple of weeks because he'd done nothing. And then he blows up and, and has a three touchdown week. And I just think that always be sniffing around those rookies early because there is a chance that someone is sitting there right now looking at their roster going, right, I'm penciling in Devonta Smith is my wide receiver three but we know he's probably not going to produce wide receiver three numbers for those first few weeks. So if you can sniff around those rookies and as soon as that price drops, as soon as that owner gets a bit fed up, that's when you pounce. What do you think, Liam? Do you think I'm, I'm right to be sniffing around or do you think those, those values never drop? No, I'm, I'm with you. Like if we look at the last draft class, your running backs probably didn't drop too much, to be honest. Everyone kind of did what, 
we expected. Whereas the, the the wide receivers, that's where the price difference happened. So you've got Justin Jefferson going at the end of the first round is now I've seen him taken as the wide receiver one overall in uh, dynasty startups. Like, but then on the other hand, you've got Henry Ruggs who was taken around the same, Pittman around the same where they're, they're going, I can't even sell rugs for a second right now. <laughs> I've tried it in multiple leagues and I can't. So, And I think that's that's the differentiation. I think that we saw we did see it last year with the running backs because Jonathan Taylor at the midpoint in the season, his price plummeted. We've, I, I think that that process has, has carried on with CH. His price is ridiculously low, as we talked about on last week's pod. I think with the wide receivers, where, where I want to differentiate there is that Someone like, you know, a Ruggs, a Pittman, where they didn't produce in year one, I'm completely out on them. Receivers that don't produce year one, receivers that see a significant drop in value year one, I'm out on. But I'm talking in season where we don't see that whole year. I think it's worth taking the risk that those rookies are just having a slow rookie start and can come out gangbusters second half of the year. I think that, you know, if, if looking at this receiver class this year, I wouldn't be shocked if Devonta Smith, we know Rashad Bateman's going to have a slow start. I wouldn't be shocked if Elijah Moore's going to have a slow start. Now we've seen, you know, three or four weeks of, of him being injured. And as I've said, I think the same with Michael Carter and Trey Sermon. I think those are my five guys that I'm keeping tracks on. I'm high on them all as prospects. I think they could all be absolute studs. But I think that I wouldn't be shocked if they had slow starts you can probably buy them cheaper in, you know, five, six weeks than you can now. Yeah, I think we need to expand this out further than just rookies in general. Like, rookies are obviously easier to talk about because we see that price difference all the time. Every rookie class, you see the same thing happen over and over and over again. Whereas I think the veterans that also fit into this category we see the same thing, but we kind of don't think about it because once they're no longer rookies, we're not infatuated with them. We want the new the new toys coming into the league. So I think we need to look at players like that that we can try and buy early and sell on. I'm trying to think of a couple of names, but I can't off the top of my head, unfortunately. I think I think it's it's basically anybody that you think the talent outweighs the production. And I think that doesn't have a carved out role that could do. I think anyone in a, you know, an, an ambiguous backfield that is perhaps a, a slightly more junior option that, that could carve out that role is, is a, someone that you can go out and buy now. You know, we, we saw it last year with the Rams backfield, Malcolm Brown came out and, you know, had an incredible week one and, was useless. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw that in Miami. You know, is Malcolm Brown going to come out? We saw him get the the major workload in the preseason. Is he going to come out and be the RB1 in weeks one and two? But then Miles Gaskin or, or whether it's Salvon Ahmed takes over. Um, I, 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 just, I just think that always be monitoring those, uh, those younger players that, that could blow up because I think that as soon as we get in season, it's less about, you know, draft capital it's less less about rookie models and production metrics and all that kind of thing and it's a what have you done for me lately how many points did you get for me last week so what what also we want to do is is kind of i guess talk about what we're going to be doing in season so as we're we're kind of approaching 
the, the, the start of the season. What we thought was we'd highlight what we're going to be doing for you on a, on a weekly basis. So, um, so we're going to talk through the high scorers, the, the news, that kind of thing. But what we're also going to do is we're going to talk through what I'm classing as the dynasty stock market. So that's players that, that are significantly rise or significantly falling in, in value. We're also, you know, myself and Liam are each going to have a player of the week. Um, and then we're also going to have a deep dive player of the week. So this is hopefully a guy that isn't on your your rosters or, or isn't on a roster in your league that, that's worth monitoring. It could be, um, I can remember a couple I had last year with, with Darnell Mooney after he had a, a, a really high A odds week in, in week two. Um, and then Quez Watkins as well had a, I think he had a, led the league in air yards but didn't actually have a catch and then we are also going to have a question of the week so what we're asking is that you can send a a twitter dm or or a tweet to the five-year dynasty page or indeed you can send it to myself or liam um, and we will answer one question um a week on on whatever topic you you want it to be and uh, and so moving on to this week's listener question of the week so this is from from our guy Mace um, over the helping with the IDP guys at the moment. Uh, he is at Cali King forty nine seventeen on Twitter. So he asks Liam David Montgomery, will his value be better or worse when the rookie and that's Justin Fields gets the nod behind center? Should I hold him or should I sell him high this off season? What do you think? I'm going to split this into two parts and I'm going to take the last part first. So sell him high this off season. If you wanted to do that, I think the time was straight after the season. Um, I don't think he's being sold high in quotation marks anymore. He's going as the running back 19, I believe, on sleeper ADP. He's no longer being seen as the guy that finishes the RB4 last season. He's being seen as going back to what he was in 2019, which wasn't horrendous, but it wasn't the RB4. So I think if you've got him, you're holding him until he starts producing. And if he does have a couple of one or two boom weeks, then you can try and sell him in season. I think with where the field gets the starting role this season. I think he does, but I don't think it's going to be for as many games as people want. And as a Packers fan, I'm okay with that. But as a guy that loves Justin Fields in fantasy, I want him to have as many starting games as possible. I was really high on him um, coming into, into the draft. And I thought that the Bears got an absolute steal getting him as late as they did, even if they did trade up. Um but I don't know about Monty. I think his value will hold, if anything. I don't think it will go up or down, to be honest, because he'll lose attempts because Fields will be trying to run the ball himself rather than trying to run the ball with Monty or having a check down to Monty. But I also think that the threat of Fields running himself opens up more holes for Monty to run through and may make him more efficient. What do you think about this, Rich? I think, so starting with the, should I hold or sell? So I think Montgomery, for me, he is an absolute hold because I liken him to Derek Henry. That's not me saying they're the same player or they're even close in value. 
But to me, Derek Henry is a guy that, although he has a you know an ADP in dynasty startups, you cannot get fair value in a trade for Derek Henry for love nor money, because everybody in the world knows that he's a sell candidate because of the level of production and the volume he's had over the last two years. And, and he's likely to break down and, and end at some point. So for me, Derek Henry is just one of those guys on your roster that you've got to ride until the walls fall off because you'll never get him fair value. And David Montgomery is, is that, you know, he, you said he finishes the RB4 last year. We all know that that was volume based. He had an incredibly soft schedule he had nobody else in that backfield to share snaps with. He got all the volume and he produced incredibly. But everybody in the world knows that, that, that he's not the RB4. And so his value, as you said, is the RB19. Well, like he's he's gonna outproduce that, likely. He's he's gonna be a, a you know a higher end RB2, but you're not gonna get fair value for him in a trade. You you can't trade David Montgomery at the moment in any league for fair value because everybody knows that he's a sell high candidate because of how well he did last year. So unfortunately he's just one of those guys you're, you're stuck rostering and unless you want to take, you know, below market value, then, then you're just stuck with him in terms of, will he be better? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here. J, JJ Zacharyson did some incredible work on what rushing quarterbacks do for, for running backs. And I think that, you will you will likely see a slight uptick in terms of efficiency. So whether that be yards per carry, yards after contact, that kind of thing, because of the running threat of Justin Fields. But you will definitely see a decrease in volume and you will see a decrease in red zone opportunities. Now, whether the fact that hopefully this offense is going to be a better offense with Justin Fields and Sinton and Mitch Trubisky rises the, you know, the overall red zone attempts for the offense. Maybe you could argue that, but for me, I think you will see a, a, a less volume-based production from David Montgomery last year. And remember we said that is what gave him that incredible finish to the season was volume and cake matchups. He's not going to get that this year. I think you've also got, yes, Tariq Cohen when slash if he, if he ever comes back from injury. You've also got Damian Williams, which... Okay, he didn't play last year. He opted out because of COVID. But I think people are forgetting how good he was two years ago. He certainly certainly won me a couple of titles three years ago. So, uh, so yeah, I've not forgotten how good he is. And I think he will get some of that 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 workload in that offense. So I think that I'm a little bit nervous about David Montgomery. But this lies into the fact that you can't get fair value for him. So sorry, Mace, you, you're just stuck holding him. Um, he'll probably give you an RB two season and. Uh, and that's as best as you can hope for. So that that concludes it for, for this week's pod. Um, so next week, we are going to hit you up with some players to sell before the, uh, the start of the season. We gave you a buys last week. We're going to give you the sells next week. Just to remind you that you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code 5yard at manscaped.com. So that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code 5yard. Uh, unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. As I said, it is a fantastic product. Go and check out the website. Um, I guarantee you won't be disappointed if you, if you go and get it. Liam, thank you very much for joining us again this week. Hopefully we don't fall out over the next few rounds of, uh, of the Dynasty Listener League. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sure we won't, Rich. I'm sure we won't. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful you. Yeah, I had a nice weekend with you not not on my ear telling me who to pick. So uh, I've got some freedom. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to arguing over the, the 29th pick of, uh, of our draft. But thank you very much for listening and we will see you again next week. to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.